You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Okay, welcome. The backroom boys are here. Hutch and Steve. Say hi, Hutch. Hello. Um, we're going to be doing our uh, spring. I supposed to say hi, Hutch? Uh, hi, Hutch. I, I don't even know. Okay. Um. Our first podcast of, of the year, uh, we'll be trying to do them once a week. We'll see how often we can keep them coming. Um, and we're going to preview uh, the outfield. Today is February what? 17th. February 17th. So pitchers and catchers, uh, everyone's kind of there anyway. Did you have a good anyway, Valentine's Day? I did. Yeah, Valentine's Day was was good. Mine too. Uh, I was Even alone. Not a huge, I didn't have a date or anything. Not a huge but, fan of it. Well, yeah. Your date was working. Right. Um, looking forward to the season starting. I, you know, basically as backroom boys, we're supposed to take pot shots at everybody, but we, we can say right off the bat, you are a Sox fan. You've always been a Sox fan. You always will be a Sox right. fan, even if they're as bad this year as they were last year. <laughs> yeah, or last, the year before. <laughs> last year and the year before didn't kill it for you. So no. I've been a Cubs fan since 1968. The 80s didn't kill it for me. So, well, I I don't know. It, we we did a rehearsal last week, and I think I it was after the show. I was like, you know, you guys winning the World Series in 05 hurt your organization because it's you you stayed with Kenny Williams, you you didn't build because everybody was content, and now you have no farm system and a team in well some weird disarray with a manager. I that, don't I don't necessarily agree with that, but I don't see how winning a world championship could ever hurt your team but you know i mean prior to that i mean for years they were the best second place team in baseball every year yeah that's rough you know and they were just but they you know not necessarily with a lot of young talent they just because they never you know they really never paid anybody but uh they just always contended and then finally put it together in 2005 and they've still contended you know, they've had a couple really bad years, but they've still contended second place, third place, which keeps giving them the, you know, that little we're close vibe. Yeah, but if you look at what teams are doing now, and I, I don't say that they're tanking, but these total rebuilds now where, you know, I think a lot of the organizations are just looking at let's stockpile a bunch of talent and bring it all up and be the Royals. Yeah, and, but it and, took the uh, Royals 10 years to yeah, win the world championship. I don't think people that realize that. The uh, as a sock as a Cubs fan, I we were very patient for a couple of years. The team wasn't even remotely trying to win. I remember sitting opening day, uh, two opening days ago. You know, all excited with season tickets for the first time and everything, and they don't have somebody up in the bullpen. And Pedro Strope can't throw a strike and walk like five guys, and right. there's still no one up in the bullpen. And I'm like, I don't think they're worried about winning this game. The game was in reach. We're all freezing to death because it's like 29 degrees. And I'm like, seriously? is this? The whole season was like that. And the players started getting irritated because you could see that the, the guys they had, like Rizzo, wanted to win. Castro wanted to win. They're sick of losing. See, I would contend that 
the White Sox winning the World Series in 2005 was the worst thing for the Cubs organization. Well, I don't know about that. It was pretty bad for the fans because we had to listen to you Sox well, no. guys go 1908, 1908. The reason being is for some reason, because the Cubs were a dysfunctional organization back then. They didn't know which way was up. They they didn't care because they were filling the seats, and they didn't do anything. In after the in the off season after two thousand five World Series, they went and did the some of the dumbest signings ever, Alfonso Soriano, and um, you know paid twenty million dollars for two two year contracts for middle relief because they lost the city. You know, I mean, it's always I, it's I don't know about that. I mean, city. well, seriously, then from 2005 till when they've been awful and then they finally decided to, well, get rid of that. And I'm, I'm you're just glossing I would, over a couple of things. I would, but. Well, yes, but I still would contend that the Cubs panicked after the White Sox won the World Series and went and spent three hundred and thirty million dollars on ballplayers that turned out to be awful. Well, awfuls, you know, I don't know about awful. I mean, in 03. With the uh, you know losing to the Marlins, that was very tough. Mm-hmm. But I think fans had a, had a maybe unrealistic unrealistic expectation when you had a starting rotation of Pryor and Wood and Zambrano, and then you had you know kind of some veteran guys in there that um, you know you could maintain something. Like we looked like we had a future, like the Mets have now. And then you know Pryor goes down, mm-hmm. uh, Wood goes down. They they totally wore Pryor out anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the kind of innings he pitched in 03, I, I know this is ancient history, but uh, they did get back to the playoffs. I mean, they got back in, what, 07 and 08, and they were like one series and done two years in a row where nobody could hit. And you're looking at a guy like a uh, worst guy with runners on base I've ever seen in my life is Alfonso Soriano. And the only guy that was hitting was Derek Lee. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is terrible. So eventually when they blew, when they blew up that regime, Mm-hmm. And they brought in Theo, and now it's like, just like the bar, the ballpark, it's a gut rehab, right? Right. So now, you know, last year they brought a couple of guys up early, that you know, way ahead of schedule. Yeah. You know, um, you have Mike Holt now. The be- he helped the Cubs by breaking his wrist, so that we, right. we couldn't keep <laughs> Brian in the minors anymore. Right. I don't know that they would have, but they might have left him down there till May or something. And then, you know, Listella's oblique, and uh, all of a sudden we need a second baseman, and, and here's Addison Russell. Because, you know, by, they probably would have brought, brought up Baez. But, you know, he, you know, he's got family issues, and then he breaks his, uh, breaks his finger, you know, in a headfirst slide. And, uh, okay, let's bring up Schwarber. We need a DH for a week. Let's try him out. And, they, and my God, the kid's such a great hitter. And he hit great all year. And, you know, he had his bad days, but so what? You right. know, when you have a good lineup, you, you can you can afford for a couple of guys to go over oh, eight absolutely. or one for 12 for a series and, and live through it. When you only have two hitters, you can't do that. So let's talk the outfield. Let's talk. Uh, let's get to this year. Let's get to 2016. I, I've been tweeting 2016 is the year as far as the Cubs are going. Um, well, who hasn't been? Yeah, the hype. You know, now I'm not one who buys into the hype. I, I, I try to be objective when I look at these guys. You know me. I was talking this team up last year. I was saying in the middle of the summer, I thought we were better than the Cardinals, mm-hmm. and you thought I was stupid. You're like, you know, you're behind me. They, they've won more games than you. How can you be better? We end up beating them in the uh, in the playoffs. And, you, you, you know, totally missed my point on that. You were 20 games below them in the win column, and at that point, the Cardinals were better. Oh. 
I'm not you, not going to reiterate that you, whole ridiculous. You were arguing potential. I didn't say that they didn't have the potential to be better. Well, but at that point in time, they were not better. I think I said that we had a better lineup. Yeah, you know, and and you know they had injuries too. You know they had Holiday was out for right. a while, and anyway, let's talk. Let's talk outfield. Um, I, I have like eleven left fielders apparently, and you only have two. Well, we really only have one. And and who might that be? It'd be uh, Melky Cabrera. So now you sa- he was your big free agent signing last year, mm-hmm. and you were thinking that he was gonna do what? Hit three what something? Well, uh, three hundred. I mean, but the the biggest reason they signed him was the year, the prior year, two thousand fourteen. They they were their on base percentage was awful, and so they as went a, as a team as a team, and they went and got guys like Cabrera to be you know to enhance their on base percentage, and you know. First half of the season, he didn't do that. Yeah, the White but, Sox were weird last year. It's like the whole team didn't hit until July. Right. And then all of a sudden, you guys couldn't miss. It was very weird, like a switch suddenly. Uh, and you were kind of out of it anyway. But, I mean, if you look at, yeah, but if you look at Cabrera's stats, and, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah you obviously have to assume, go on the assumption that he's still going to be around a 300 hitter, 280 to 300. And, Get on base and and what did he hit? Like two seventy five last year. Uh, he was a little down. He was a little down uh, from his uh, career, and you know he's at that age where you start to I, I don't know. People are kind of paranoid now. He hit uh, what was his slash seven yeah seven fifty four. He didn't, didn't. What is slash? That's uh, slash is you know average on base and slugging. So he oh. hit two eighty two eighty three. That's not bad. We had two seventy three, according to this. Okay, this. Uh, okay, maybe this says two eighty three. Oh. And uh, but I mean, yeah, like we just said, though. I mean, he probably hit like two forty for the two thirty for the first half of the season. Yeah, and then hit three hundred in the second right. half, something like that. You, you know? know. So, so he was a little bit down. He's how old? I think he's thirty. Might be thirty. Okay, so I I don't know. These days, you know, like thirty's the new forty. I mean, the, the the you look at the free agent market and, and how rare it is for some of these thirty year olds to even you know get more than a two year contract. The whole league seems to be trending younger. Younger means cheaper, of course. You know, and you, because you need starting pitchers, it looks like the starting pitchers are the only guys that you know when they're thirty thirty one are are getting rewarded. Um, Gordon signed, I thought, like below market. When he went back to uh, Kansas City, I'm Melky Cabrera. I mean, I I always thought he was a a nice player. I didn't think he was gonna hit 300, but yeah, 285 still. You know, league average now is 250. Right. So you know, his his wins above replacement is is below one. I mean, that's kind of a bad sign. You know, slugging 420. I don't know how much power you expected out of the guy. Well, I, I don't think they were expecting a lot of power. He's a line drive hitter, so, uh, you know, he's 31 years old. Uh, 31. Yeah. You know, they they wanted a line drive hitter to get on base. They didn't need him to hit home runs. Well, his you on know. base was good, wasn't it? Was it like 330, something like that? I mean, you liked it to be, I think, you know, on base 350 or higher is yeah, you start well, to raise eyebrows. 334. 334, I think, is a pretty healthy on base percentage. I, you know, I don't know if he walks much. I don't know what what kind of uh, like you're the you're the White Sox guy. You tell me. I mean, 
Did he hit a lot of line drives? He hit a ton of line. He hit a lot of bad luck. I thought in the beginning of the season. So that's he the, hits the ball pretty hard. So his BAPID was was lower than what? Do you got that there? Well, my that's computer, our luck. My computer keeps screwing oh, up. Great. Here. Well, the BAPID is kind of the luck slow. thing. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Melky Cabrera's uh, BAPID uh, is two ninety seven, which isn't bad. Uh, 23.9% line drive average, which is pretty good, which is actually uh, second or third on the team, with a 46% uh, ground ball average, too. So, I mean, he's he's not just, you know, flying out all over the place. So Yeah, uh, I go back and forth on that. For the, for the listeners that don't know, uh, Bapit is batting average for balls in play. The league average is right around 300. And what they try to track with that is kind of uh, – you use it to either see if a, somebody's highly skilled or if someone is undergoing bad luck. Well, it, not only that, I like the fact that, you know, Melky, his uh, his percentages are only uh, just under 37% as a pull hitter, 35% is to center, and 27 to the opposite field. So he's hitting the ball to all fields, which obviously you want. Well, yeah, you definitely. I mean, for guys who, who can hit line drives and go with the pitch – you know, you expect that they're going to have success. So 285, or you said 275, so we'll split the difference. Right. Say he hit 280, you know, he got some walks in there. His on base was like 330. I mean, that's a that's a decent year. But if he does it all in the second half, when you're out of it, yeah. you it know, just a, right. it doesn't do much good. So his war is really low. His war is like .9. Yeah. That's, that's barely. Well, I mean, it's, you know, we've you talked know. about this. The White Sox have a team that have to hit all year. And like, you know, like you said, they – they have to hit not everybody all at once. Everybody has to take their turn. They've got enough talent where, you know, if each individual carries the team, so to speak, for a week here and there and, you know, a couple players at a time, if if you've got, you know, four guys all hitting, you know, 350 in one week and then they all go and hit 220 the next week, they're going to be in, you know, the same boat. Yeah, team slumps are brutal. You guys have some pitching, so – uh, right. D- did you get a projection as how many games you guys were supposed to win? Was it like last year, like seventy nine, eighty? I mean, some people. Well, USA Today picked you to win the division. Yeah, I don't know which, what they're looking it at. Depends on which pro- projection. I didn't get the Vegas projections. USA Today, USA Today predicted them to win ninety games and win the division. I, um, I somebody smoking crack at USA Today. You know, but, I, I don't uh, like the way they cover sports anyway. But I, I just I can't believe that. Um, as far as the Cubs go, we, we've got a bit of a problem in left field because we have two guys that crush right-handed pitching, and I mean crush it, especially Schwarbs. Kyle Schwarber and Chris Coughlin uh, were basically the, the left fielders last year, and we brought in Ben Zobris, who I assume is going to be a semi-platoon left fielder uh, as a switch hitter, uh, Schwarber and Coglin did not prove that they could hit lefties very well at all, especially Coglin was basically, I think, considered a platoon left fielder from, from day one last year. He was supposed to split time with Chris Denorfia. Denorfia pulled a hammy early, and Coglin got you know more time in left in the first half of the season. But once Schwarber came up and, and started raking, uh, with, the, with the power he has that, that Coglin cannot equal – Coglin lost his spot. So, you know, around the campfire, the, the Cubs give you a little bit of double talk that, you know, Schwarber wants to be a catcher. He's going to work to be a catcher. 
He's working on his outfield now. You know, he's got some games under his belt. What did he play, like 70 games last year or something like that? Yeah, something he's, like that. He's proven he can hit. He's proven he can hit lefties. He's proven he can hit righties. He's proven he can hit for power. His, uh, you know, fly ball home run rate is like maybe fifth or sixth in all of baseball last year. It was like around 25%. That's awfully good. Um, I don't see how they cannot have him in left against every single right-handed pitcher they see. Plus, they may just let him try to hit lefties and see what happens. Sure. Um, aside from that, uh, aside from those two guys or those three guys, you know, they had Bryant in left for a little bit. I don't know that they're going to be monkeying around running Bryant out to the outfield just for, you know, giggles. I think you're going to see well, Bryant just stay third. To. Yeah. Uh, the other left fielder they had uh, was Matt Caesar, who was like basically the 26th guy last year, and you know, kind of comes up, plays a couple games, goes down. Week later, he's back up. He, he's a he's a good player. He's an athletic guy, kind of you know that linebacker looking dude when he's running around the bases. He's athletic. He's got some foot speed. Um, not as much as Coglin, but I don't know what they're going to do with Coglin. There's everybody's saying that the Cubs are going to make a move and move some outfielders. I don't know. It's it's kind of a weird it's a weird puzzle in left field because if if like I say they're going to have Zobris play against uh left-handed pitching in left and then let Baez play second base in those situations mm-hmm. where you, so you're adding, you know, right-handed hitters makes a lot of sense and then, you know, Schwarber may spot catch. You know, maybe Schwarber will catch Hendricks. Oh, yeah, every now and then, yeah, I'm you sure. You know, um he didn't really look major league ready. But you only the plate. have—I mean, you only have four pitchers to spot catch because Ross is going to always catch Lester. Supposedly. Well, and they won't—they wouldn't let him go near Arietta. Right. I think toward the end of the season, there there was one bullpen session where they let Schwarber catch him just to see how difficult it would be, so he would kind of know what was in store. So they're going to let him keep trying. But to be honest with you, to have his bat in the lineup, I think they're better off just having the guy constantly work on his outfield Mm -hmm. let him play left because everybody everybody saw against the Mets you know you butcher a play in left field you can make it look awfully ugly right I mean we lived with Soriano out there we've seen Manny Ramirez in left at Hanley I mean you've seen bad left fielders yeah you've seen 37 38 year olds like Moises Alou out there you know catch what I can get to I can't get to much okay but they're they're out there hopefully it's hit right at me he's a corner outfielder so as long as he hits you know, he's helping, and, you know, I, I expect that Schwarber will be okay in left. I, sure. I think he's athletic enough to run down balls. I don't think you're going to see too many, you know, graceful sliding catches. Coughlin's good at that. You know, he, he knows how to play the walls at Wrigley. He knows when to start his slide to, you know, get to balls in, in foul territory where there's not uh, much of it. I think at best he'll be serviceable. Serviceable. I hate that as word. As an outfielder. But, but, yeah, so left field, I think, you know, you, if you look at the Cubs' total war with Schwarber and, and Coglin and Zobrist, um, it's almost equal to uh, Justin Upton, who's mm-hmm. like the, the – I think, what was he, the third highest war or something uh, in the league. So left field uh, is going to be interesting. We're, we're going to have like a, a bit of a parade out there, but I think everybody's competent. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Coglin gets moved. I wouldn't be surprised if Soler gets moved. I, I don't think Soler is going to get moved before the – trade deadline which is august 1st this year i think if you look at peripherals and stuff like that i'm not like a saber guy but i do kind of look at that stuff um solaire's numbers will go up 
and when we start talking about right field, we can get into that. But I don't see them moving him now because they won't get true value for him. And I think the Cubs are pretty shrewd about that. Right. Okay, we'll be back in a minute, and uh, we'll start talking about center field. We have a new toy at Wrigley. We'll be right back. Okay, uh, back for our second segment, uh, the back row boys, Hutch and Steve, talking uh, Chicago baseball. And uh, where we left off, we're going to start talking about center field. I'll go first just because I'm stoked. That, of course. Well, I hate the Cardinals. So I, when I found out we were getting Jason Hayward, I was immediately like, well, now, wait a minute. You know, he, well, okay, he was only on one year. He's really an Atlanta guy, and his war is what, and he's this, and he's that. And I'm like, okay, let's take him. Um, the Cubs had a problem last year. The problem was swinging and missing, and the problem was situational hitting, and the problem was not having enough guys on base in front of our big four, and signing Hayward is supposed to address that. Right. Also, you know, our center fielder left. He Our leadoff hitting center fielder left for free agency, which he may be regretting right now, turned down $15.8 million to play one year in center field and has not found a job yet. And we kind of liked him. I called him Clyde because I thought he looked kind of smooth out there. Oh, Bad defensive metrics. Player. Yeah. And, you know, had a good second half. Mm-hmm. Had like an OPS way over uh, eight. He swung and missed a lot too, though. Well, he did, and, you know, contact is a problem with this team. You can't have everybody swinging from the fences. And and I will say this about the Hayward signing, and I don't know if it's going to have any echoes, you know, throughout Major League Baseball, but for a long time, most of the players have been operating under the assumption, even as they're coming up through the minors, that if you want to get paid, you have to hit home runs. And for the Cubs to actually pay a guy – to be a, a stellar defensive outfielder and make contact and hit line drives and get on base, be an intelligent base runner and a complete all-around ball player, and, hey, for that we'll pay you, mm-hmm. I think that that bodes well, especially with all the young guys that we have coming up where they realize that they don't have to all hit 45 home runs a year to to you know, become like multi, multi, multi millionaires, right? And I think that when you look I at don't guys, think Joe Madden will allow that anyway. Well, no, but I mean, when you when you're trying to corral and and rein in a free swinging kid like Javi Baez, you can point to Hayward and be like, "Look, how would you like to make twenty five million a year? Look what he does, right?" So, from a, a professional like career example. Jason Hayward is awesome for all these guys coming up. I don't worry about Chris Bryant. I mean, Chris Bryant is going to – he, he kind of knows what he, what he is and, and what he's going to be, and, and he's been dealing with expectations his whole life. But for some of these other guys that are, are kind of on the cusp and uh, for a kid like Schwarber who's, like, capable of being one of those guys that's constantly trying to hit home runs and, you know, I don't care if I strike out – 
or Jorge Soler, who, you know, came up, showed plate discipline, and then got hosed by I don't know how many different umpires. <laughs> uh, I got a lot to say about Soler when yeah. we get there. Um, Hayward's an upgrade. Let's face it. If you've got a left fielder, and, and we're anticipating the majority of the uh, games in left field go to Schwarber, I don't know. You know, if you have a big lead, you know, maybe you're going to put Cog- Coglin out there, you know, in the late innings. Well, yeah, I, not even a big lead, just a defensive replacement. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I mean. To- I could totally see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you go back and forth on that. I mean, if if you're in a two-run game and you don't trust your bullpen and you got a guy capable of hitting one out of the park, that's not really the guy you pull. But, you know, well, if you let him hit in the seventh inning. Yeah, it's more then, of a, it's more of a, only a ninth inning replacement. I mean, they're not going to replace him in the seventh inning, I don't think, in a, in a tight game. Oh, you could but, have him out there in the eighth with a two-run lead. Yeah. Put, uh, trot Coglin out there. Uh, the nice thing about Hayward um, is, you know, he's the same size as Fowler. Right? He's tall. He's 6'5". Mm-hmm. He's got wheels. He can cover in the alley. He's got a good arm. And, uh, yeah. A better arm than Fowler. Yeah. Oh, by far. I mean, mm-hmm. basically, we got two right field arms. Right. Right? Because I, I always thought Soler had a good arm. Mm-hmm. So, um, defensively, you're going to make it a lot easier for everyone. And, again, I don't I don't anticipate them putting Zobrist out there in center. I don't think Coglin really looks that good in center field to me. Um. Let me see who they listed on the depth chart as the backups to center because Scherzer. Well, and Hayward you know, and Scherzer. Yeah, and and Scherzer was out there, you know, quite a bit. I think he. It says he only had seven plate appearances. I re, I seem to recall him having more, but this is one of those things where they kind of move guys around and everything. Um, I didn't like Coglin in center, and he didn't look really comfortable there either. Coglin's a good athlete, but. He's a weird. He doesn't. He doesn't do anything well enough to to you know break through and 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 be an everyday starter. But he's a reliable player. You know, he's rookie of the year, mm-hmm. what oh nine right. or, or whatever. I mean, so you know it should give him some street cred. But um, if you if if something happens to Solaire and you have to move Hayward over, that's that's the one issue that you know I'm looking at the Cubs thinking. Well, worst case scenario. Who's going to be in center if if Soler pulls a hammy and is going to be out for two months and you have to shift Hayward over to right? Well, now who's going to play center? Obviously, you can't put uh, Schwarber there. You know, I remember telling people last year before they signed Hayward, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, after the playoffs. I'm like, hey, if they have to go out there with an outfielder and put Bryant in center and have Schwarber in left and Soler in right and move Baez to third. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah. That was before they traded Castro. I could I think that, you know, if you if you're athletic enough to run and catch a baseball, um fine. I mean they I thought Robin Yount was a good center fielder. I I I, I think almost any shortstop I've ever seen or any second baseman can physically handle the job. I mean, it, it's just you, you got to get used to it. I've always thought that guys could move around positions a lot more than they did. And and that's one of the things I like about Madden moving guys around. Because, well, it just depends. I mean, some people are comfortable with it. Some people aren't. I mean, there's just. Yeah, know, and Coughlin never looked comfortable in know. center. So, and and maybe, you know, the thought that you have to cover all this ground, you know, makes people kind of panic. I'll, I'll be curious to see where Hayward plays. 
whether he plays shallow or kind of medium shallow because oh I could totally see him playing shallow a shallow center yeah I, I don't know how fast he can break back but because you can't go into the walls and because you can't make leaping catches and stuff it's and you know playing the outfield in Wrigley's different than playing in a lot of places mm-hmm. I don't see much value to playing deep I mean just you know you play shallow enough where you can get to the warning track. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't want to get to the wall. You just want to get to the warning track. And, you know, if it's, if it's going to be over your head hitting the wall, then, you know, catch it off the wall and get it in, you know, hit the relay right. man. I mean, yeah, your best center fielders typically play shallow because they can go back and get the ball. Yeah. I thought so. You got to take away those bloopers. Yeah, and I I think that you know Hayward going back, he knows how to go back. It's different in center. You get a lot more balls hit directly over your head, and you need to kind of learn how to, you know, turn one way and then turn the other way. But I'm sure he can handle it. So as far as center field goes, I think uh, with Jay Hay, uh, we're we're in good shape. No, I think that's a total definite upgrade. Even though I didn't, Fowler wasn't bad. No, Fowler wasn't bad. I I think you know, looking at the at the numbers, like we said, you know, one of the things that the Cubs did too much of last year is swinging and missing, and Hayward's a an upgrade on that, mm-hmm. and so is Zobrist. Um, we're we're gonna we'll do a segment, uh, maybe next week on on the actual lineup, and you know the what. <laughs> The beautiful thing about Theo is GM is, you know, he tells it like it is. And, you know, as soon as the season was over, he was like, look, you know, we strike out too much. We swing and miss too much. We don't make enough contact. And what did he do? He he brought in two guys that don't strike out much and, you know, put the bat on the ball and put the ball in play, especially Zobrist. And, you know, Zobrist, you know, being older, you sure sure don't want to see him playing any any center field, but no, I don't think they'd put him um, out there. And the other guy that that they're going to try out there, I'm thinking, is uh, Javi Baez. I think if something happens to Soler, the first guy off the bench when they move Hayward to right field is is probably going to be Javi Baez. Right. And if they have to bring somebody up, you know, their uh, number one draft first round draft pick from Theo's first year is is going to. Uh, He'll be in the major league camp, and he'll break camp and go to AAA for the first time, and that's uh, Alberto Elmora. Uh, had a good second half in uh, AA last year, and by all accounts, you know, I, I don't pour over minor league baseball reports for hours and hours on end, but, you know, defensively, you know, he's good. So it may be that, you know, if something happens to Soler, then they move Hayward over, they give the – the majority of the starts to Javi Baez and they bring up uh, El Mora and kind of get his feet wet and give him a few games in center and see what happens. Matt Caesar right now is the 25th guy. Um, he can play center. He doesn't have any sort of, you know, range the, the way Hayward has, but you know, he does have a glove and two hands. So, right. You know, at some point, you know, I, I look at defense and I'm like, can you hit? You still got to be you know, able to catch the ball. You you got to be able to catch what you can get to, and I'm pretty sure that you know Matt Caesar can do that. Yeah. I mean, the Cubs have been really good about keeping guys around that you know all around can can play baseball. They can catch, they can throw, they can run. They're not all Hall of Famers, but um, I don't see a lot of stiffs on this team. And and if if you exhibit a propensity for making the same mistake over and over, you're out of here. I thought Junior Lake had a lot of potential as a corner 
outfielder, but he couldn't lay off low outside uh, pitches that were out of the zone. He kept swinging at them, and he was gone. Yeah. And uh, the same thing with Mike Old. You know, I mean, they released him. They never gave him a chance. I mean, he started last year as the starting third baseman. He struck out a lot. You know, he did hit some home runs, but very little else. And, you know, broke his wrist, and they put him on the 60-day DL, and he, uh, you know, never came back. Okay, fine. I mean, the Cubs are, are much better about having people move on if they're not producing. Well, it's because they have that luxury. Well, they do now. I mean, they weren't doing it a couple of years ago when Renteria was manager, but that's one of the thing uh, things about, you know, Madden. You know, he comes off as, you know, real affable and folksy and, and funny and smart, but, you know, the guy's a baseball manager, and if and whoever's out there, if they're not performing, he's going to find somebody that will. I, I kind of like that. So, sure. it, it, you know, as far as center field goes for us, I mean, that that's that's pretty much the whole mix. We got a lot of outfielders. We got a lot of different combinations. You have Adam Eaton. Yeah, that's about it. So he, and, had, he had a good and year JB last Shuck. year. And J.B. Shuck. But, you know, Shuck, Shuck can play all three outfield positions, but it's just going to be it's going to be Adam Eaton and, and Cabrera, and, you know, hopefully they, you know, Eaton hit uh, about 280 last year, I think, uh, 287. Um, Did he steal bases? No, not a lot. Not a lot? Um, two eighty seven still pretty good. Yeah. He he let off most of the year, didn't he? Yeah, pretty pretty much all year. That's all he does. Lead off hitting center fielder. It's got a nice ring to it. I like the. I always thought you know, second base, center field, maybe shortstop. That's where the lead off hitters used to come from. I don't know that they. It's that common anymore. Like true lead off hitters. Right. I don't know how many there are anymore. Yeah, his on base percentage was almost three fifty and. His slugging percentage is three ninety. You know, he had more home runs last year than he has all year, so You uh, mean in his career? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're not looking for that power from him. They just need him to get on base and you know it it you know, a lot of their uh situations are gonna depend on whether Eaton and Cabrera, you know, can at least one of them get on base. Right. You know, they don't your... always have to get on base simultaneously, but uh you know, get one of those guys on base for, for your three, four, five hitters, and if if they can do that consistently, as opposed to you know going into slumps, where neither one of them get on base for two weeks, uh, you know, then then they'll be all right. I I mean I I like Adam Eaton. I think he's a hard nosed player, and and he he does everything he can do to win, and uh, you know he does everything that you know you ask ask him to do. And uh, I think he's a, a good veteran, so it's just it's going to be, you know, contingent on the fact of you know if he can keep producing. Which if is, he can keep, if he can keep producing, I mean, his his WAR is like one point eight. He had eighteen stolen bases, which yeah. is not a lot. His, his WAR is one point eight, but I, I'm looking at at the free agents. I mean, that's better than Dexter Fowler. That's better than Austin Jackson. Better than Drew Stubbs. I mean, so. I don't know that you can really do much to improve that situation. I mean, yeah, I thought he played good. And I liked his shuck hit. You know, like he makes a lot of contact and he had some walk offs for you, I think, last year. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think he's he's a very good uh platoon player. You know, I mean the his rate of 
hitting pitches and not swinging and missing is fantastic. And, you know, does it, would that ever equate to being an everyday outfielder? I don't know. But, uh, you know, he's young and and has proven that he can play at the major league level. So um, same thing. If, if somebody does any one of their outfielders get hurt, you know, he can fill in just fine. Uh, at least his numbers show that, you know, he well, can hit at the major league level and, you know, be able to uh, hold the fort down, so to speak. The the only other guys I see, you know, on your bench, there's a guy named Lurie Garcia. Yeah. Uh, what's his story? But he's really, he's he's kind of like an all position. He's really, was an infielder, but he can play the outfield as well. But he's he's a backup infielder, so they've got him out there. I have no idea who Jay Sands is. Okay. So you basically have but four outfielders. Pretty much. So you can That's you can it. put Shuck in, and Lurie Garcia could be a fifth, but really he's more of a utility infielder, like twenty fourth guy, yeah, under the bench, right? Get the little hat with the hands on it, like Jonathan get, Herrera. Get a start and, once every three weeks, right? You know, but yeah, really they they they're not they're not that that deep in the outfield. They have basically four guys. Well, I don't know. Looking at looking at Adam Eaton's numbers, I mean they look pretty solid to me. Uh, defensively, uh, how good was he? Oh, he's good. Is he good? Oh, yeah. I mean, I always liked him. I he can go get it. Well, I don't. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't consider like the White Sox outfield to be like Kansas City's or something where you have to have these speedsters out there. I mean, he covers enough ground, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And how's Cabrera? Oh, he he definitely helps out Cabrera. I mean, you know, I think Cabrera is a decent outfielder. Uh, Eaton definitely helps him out because of the ground he can cover. So, uh, you know, Cabrera, you know, when you have a guy that can go both left and right and Cabrera only has to worry about, you know, going down the line and not necessarily the left center field gap. Um, and, and Cabrera's got a decent arm. I, so, I, you know, I, I, I like that. I like those two positions. I mean, the there's outfield. a, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good center fielders these days. Yeah, Eaton would be one of, you know, there's actually more, it seems like, more power in, in center field in, for most baseball teams than Eaton has, but, you know, they're not necessarily looking. The White Sox have gone for power in year for years, and it didn't work out, so. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just. They need to catch the ball. They You know, they last year they were brutal with errors and just, you know, throwing to the, not hitting the cutoff guy and. You know, just giving giving the other team extra outs, and you know they just have to learn to catch the ball and do the right thing. Well, so fundamental baseball. They should watch some tape of the Cardinals. You know, you know. but it's, Cardinals do that really well. Guys are guys never are, out of position. Right. Those guys are veterans, so they should be able to do it. Well, the number one ranked uh, center fielder is Mike Trout. Of course, the, the Pirates have McCutcheon. The Rays have Kermeyer. I mean. Uh, Everybody seems to have uh, good center fielders these days. I I think Adam Eaton's pretty good. I mean, they've they've got him ranked pretty low on this list, but well, mostly because of war, right? Yeah, mostly because of know. war. And and you know, the I mean, defensive metrics don't don't always you help. Know, they've you. got you know Jock Peterson, so they've got him. You know, the Dodgers is eight. His WAR is three point three, but the guy only hit two twenty eight. Well, but he hit like a bunch of home runs early in the season. I mean, he had a good first half, right. and then he fell apart. He fell I mean, apart. I, the, the way he looked in September, uh, he he should have been in AAA. You know, he looked terrible. I don't know what happens to rookies. You know, I mean, 
the, that's the beauty of Chris Bryan is, and, and, you know, to a lesser extent, Kyle Schwarber is they were able to make adjustments. It's, it, you know, with Jason Hayward, you know, listening to the people talk about holes in his swing and stuff. I mean, if he addresses those, you know, he may get more production. I mean, there's an upside to Jason Hayward and there's an upside to Kyle Schwarber. And I think that's what has the Cub fans excited. I think there's an upside to Adam Eaton. I think Eaton can do better uh, than the numbers he had last year. Yeah, so do I. Well, yeah, and I mean, if you look at the list with the way they have it all set by war, but that's with the whole the whole roster of, of center fielders. I mean, you know, uh, the Brewers are 19 and the White Sox are 21. Well, that but the Brewers starting center fielders war is 1.5. You know, the Twins is 1.6. Yeah, with they're Buxton, bo- they're both ahead of ahead of the White Sox on the list, but really hit. But Eaton's WAR is, you know, yeah, just I'm slightly not... below Cespedes and slightly below, you know, yeah, Cespedes is not a good center fielder. Jackie Bradley Jr. of the Red Sox, who's good, yeah, but uh, you know, so I mean, I you know, obviously, they definitely have to stay healthy in in those in those positions because they don't have any really good backups war war is a i'm not sold on war i mean i i get the saber guys trying to come up with a single number that that you can put on a player for comparison's sake but it it doesn't really it doesn't really tell you much like you know kevin kermeyer like the uh the rays are what fifth or fourth their war is 4.4 but his war all comes from defense because he doesn't really contribute much for, at the plate and then you look at, at somebody like Andrew McCutcheon, you know, he's got negative uh, defensive stats, mm-hmm. but awesome offensive stats. Right. So, you know, you, they I'm don't. I'm surprised he's got that bad of negative defensive stats. Yeah, yeah, I've seen him make a lot of good catches. Yeah. But, again, you know, it's the way, they, the way they try to quantify defense is very hard to do. And it's not always on the player. You know, they have all the spray charts and everything these guys have now. I mean, versus, you know, uh, the, the coach is telling you to play out of position. Did the pitcher cross you up, you know, where he's supposed to throw an outside breaking ball so you're standing mm-hmm. over here and then he missed his spot and the ball got yanked into the corner and right. now you look like an idiot running after it? I mean, I I don't know. The the way the def- I don't look at the defensive metrics as much as as I use the eyeball test, you know. Can that guy go and get it? Right. You know, and does he make stupid mistakes and you know throw it over the cutoff man's head and stuff like that, you know? And you know, Eaton looks like a pretty solid center fielder to me. Um, the only problem that you know with Hayward is he's only played like twenty four games in center. I'm sure he'll adjust, but there may be like a learning curve. Plus, he's in a new ballpark and everything. So, yeah, but he's played in that ballpark enough. Oh, he's like a lifetime over three hundred yeah, hitter I, in Wrigley. I mean, you know, it's not like he doesn't know his way around. Right, he'll be happy that they'll have the new locker room for the home team. From what I hear, the visiting locker room. If you listen to Ozzie Guillen, is like. <laughs> Pretty bad. <laughs> so um, we don't really care about that. We just care about our boys. Um, <clears throat> it's too bad, you know, the Cubs are playing the Sox in the middle of the week again. Oh, like are a, they really? It's like a, like Monday, Tuesday in one park, and then Wednesday, Thursday in the other park, something like that. Are they only doing four games again yeah, this year? They're yeah. not doing six? Yeah, it's lame. So it'll be interesting. Uh, you know, 
I, I still don't know how USA Today's got you guys winning 90 games based on the outfield you've described so far. Um, so, we'll, okay, we're going to take another break. We'll come back and we'll talk about uh, right boys. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. The back row boys talking right field in February, just at the start of spring spring training for the Cubs and Sox. Spring training. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Both our right fielders have issues. Whew. Uh, ours definitely. So who's yours? Avisil Garcia, who just has not lived up to the potential as the next uh, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. Seriously, or even, even remotely close to it. See, it's one of those but, things, you know, you know uh, he has not lived up to expectations and definitely not lived up to the hype. And you could say a similar thing about Jorge Soler, although he has had like less opportunities. But it's always hard to tell from, from the back row whether or not the evaluators got it wrong or whether it's the player right. that's, that's not making it. You know uh, what I mean? You know, I mean, Garcia's numbers aren't bad. His war is bad, point two. But, I mean, you know, you're 264, slugging percentage of 409. But when you really break it down, uh, you know, he, he swings at everything. His, his plate, Literally his everything. His plate discipline is awful. And, you know, I don't know how many years in the league it takes for you to change that or if that's just the player that you are. And the only way he's really going to hit even close to 280 is if they continually throw the ball over the plate. <laughs> well, because otherwise he's going to swing at it. Um, Soler's got strikeout issues too, but his issue is not as much plate discipline. We we were looking up the numbers on Fangraphs, and Garcia's are terrible. Yeah, they're not good. as far as like swinging at pitches out of the zone, swinging and missing at pitches out of the zone. 46% of the time he swings at a pitch outside the zone. Four, I mean, almost 50% of the time you throw the guy, uh, that's that's like Alfonso Soriano numbers. It, yeah. Throw him an outside curveball and he's going to swing at it. The lone away pitch from a right-hander to a right-hander has ended a lot of careers. Yeah. And, you know, Starlin Castro, all season, swinging at that stuff. A gentle two-hopper to second base or short for a uh, double play. Well, that's the thing about the the difference between the minors and the majors is, you know, you know there's a lot of good fastball-hitting minor leaguers, but there's not a lot of good, you know, off-speed hitters in the minor leagues. and Or if they think they are, you know, they don't see the, the type of major league, you know, curveballs. Yeah, you don't see major hey. league breaking stuff in the minors. No. And that's why, you know, when it comes to looking at, at numbers from the minor leagues, it's like, well, yeah, great. Let's let's see what happens when you get right. start looking at a real Uncle Charlie. You start looking at uh, you know ninety five mile an hour sliders, or who's who's the guy that throws the ninety five mile an hour sinker? Uh, oh, the, one, the uh, guy from uh, the Orioles, Britain. Yeah, yeah, um, he, he's unbelievable. Nasty. He's it's nasty. Like ninety seven I mean, miles an hour in a sinker. It, it's yeah. just <laughs> I I can't imagine how that. that how fouling that off in April would feel. Oh, yeah. You get it kind of off toward the end of the bat there. and <laughs> A stinger. You, uh, yeah, but, I mean, 
that's my nightmare of baseball is is playing in March. Ugh. It's yeah. Um, so I mean, you know, I, obviously he's there. He's the weak link of the outfield. Obviously, El Garcia is, but uh, you know, I mean, his numbers aren't all that bad. But well, when, but like you said, the eye test when you watch him day in day out, and you know, and he was another guy that you know probably padded his stats at the end of the season when you know they were struggling to win 72 games but uh you know in the beginning of the season and you know you have to be able to hit in cold weather but if you if you go up there swinging at everything you know yeah eventually you're you know 264 isn't bad but when you're it's a you know it's it, it's it, it's a it's a tick above average yeah you know, he didn't hit two times. But not, not in this day and age of, you know, like you take all the right fielders out there and, you know, 264 is not a even not, remotely for close a corner, to an all-star yeah, outfielder. Oh, no. For a corner outfielder, you know, you're looking for run production. Mm-hmm. And you don't get it if you're swinging at garbage and missing. Right. You, you can't be you a know? number five hitter in, in, in swinging. Vlad Guerrero's aren't that common. No, where no. you've got a guy that swings at pitches out of the zone and still hits 320. I mean, those guys just don't exist. I no. mean, we've had guys. We've you know, Soriano was one, Castro was one where I've seen them get hits. Yeah. On on uh, I I on bad pitches. The the pitch that killed Oakland in the playoffs 2 years ago in the wild card game that Sal Perez hooked into left field. It wasn't a strike, but he hit it. You know, that's you can't really yeah. bet on the come all but, the time, you know. I mean, that's not over a course of a season. You're going to be getting yourself out on that stuff, and, and and especially if if you do have a decent team where you get guys in front of you and Garcia's hitting fifth, and you're going to swing at forty percent of the strikes or pitches outside of the zone with runners in scoring position, that just isn't going to bode well, you know. And, and, and you're not getting the run production that you need. Um, you know, you know, what are the chances? How many times is he going to lead off an inning or, you know, hit second in an inning with nobody on base? You know, you need, you know, so, I mean, obviously I don't foresee this guy as being uh, in the number five hole anymore. Maybe that will help him out. Maybe, you know, dropping him down into the seventh hole is going to help him out. Um, but, you know, I don't, you know, basically his career stats show that it doesn't really matter where he hits. <laughs> He's going to. He's going to swing at everything. He's going to swing at everything and miss it quite quite often. Right. Uh, Jorge Soler is the Cubs right fielder right now, and um, I don't think, like I said before, I don't think they're going to move him before the trading deadline. I think the guy's got awesome potential. He's huge. Oh yeah. He's built. He's like a, a walking muscle. He, he looks two like irons. a tight end, and he laces the ball. Yeah. He hits he's... line drives and he hits them hard, and. He he's has probably, plate discipline. He's probably, unfortunately, hitting in Wrigley Field. Well, you know, I mean, you know, he, his home run numbers won't be as high because he's hitting lasers. If if he could get his launch angle and start hitting four right. irons instead of two irons, we looked at that. His his was launch it, angle 10%? was really low. Yeah, it was like ten percent yeah. or something. And I'm but like, well, he just hits lasers. You know, it's pretty you much. Know, give you know, that guy a a fifteen foot wall as opposed to a thirty foot wall. You know. I have seen him tattoo the top of the bricks. Yeah. I mean, and he didn't really – his numbers were all over the place, and, and I, I spent about 20 minutes looking at all his numbers. He and has some of them are healthy. negative. Well, and 
you know, it's one of the things where, you know, they brought him up in August. He had a good first couple of weeks when people were trying to get fastballs by him and, and he was crushing them. You know, like uh, five home runs in his first, I don't know, 12, 15 games, whatever it was. Looked great. In the field, um, the knock on him is he takes bad routes to balls. He breaks on balls late, stuff like that. Wrigley Field, right field is hard to play. It's got funny angles. There's the well there. You, you've got a brick wall. There's no foul territory. But you're still trying to chase down balls that are close to the line. Um, everybody forgets. You know, Everybody's like, well, let's get rid of Solaire and move Hayward in right. They forget You know, the, the last game the Cubs won. The clincher against the Cardinals, it's uh, four to three, and uh, the guy gets a base hit to right, and Solaire throws out the guy at home mm-hmm. to keep it a four-four game. People forget what a fantastic throw that was. The announcers seem surprised. I'm like, the guy's got a cannon. No, I think the announcers were surprised that the guy actually ran. Well, that was a bad move. It was really and stupid. It, well, it, it was one of the, it, it was kind of an ego call, where it's like we're the Cardinals. We're going to make you make a perfect play, and he did. It didn't even have to be perfect, though. Yeah. I mean, really, he could have probably I, I thrown think... it underhand and thrown the guy out. <laughs> well, it was a pretty close play. Yeah, I mean, it never but... went to review, but, I mean, the throw barely beat the runner, and the and the runner's foot was in the air instead of on home plate, and that's why he was out. Yeah. But it was still a, a great well, play. I, mean, it, I don't know if necessarily people forget about that, but what – the, or the reason they would forget about that is when you saw them play the Mets and he the total gaffe that he makes on diving for a ball in front of him and it goes all the way to the wall. and You know, Ugh. those are the things that you can't do. So it, it's plays like that that make you forget about the good ones because, you know, right. that's what people well, think about them. But, but, you know, he's he's you forget. Some of these guys, they're so big. I mean, if you look at, at the size of the Cubs, how many guys they have that are taller than six three? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that we. It's almost like we got a basketball team. And he, here's another guy. He's like six four. I don't know, two forty, two thirty. You know, athletic. You know, big muscle mass, low fat content. You know, whatever. And the guy pounds the baseball. Mm-hmm. He's, he he came up looking like a veteran when it came to plate discipline and stuff like that. And he was getting jobbed on close pitches. And it was last year. It was incredible. It was almost like he was getting called third strikes for a month. That looked almost like, well, I gave the last guy that corner, so you don't get it, which is pretty inconsistent. So a lot of the Cubs who, who struck out a lot, you know, some of them are still gonna, you know, have their hundred fifty. You know, probably Chris Bryant's gonna strike out a hundred seventy times. Right. You know, but he'll hit over 30 homers and he'll hit doubles too and he'll, you know, he'll be fine. I don't think I I can see Soler if if the umps treat him fairly and and he keeps his head on straight and he's healthy, I can see him being a guy that maybe has 120 strikeouts but walks 60 or 70 times. I think you can live with that kind of a ratio. If you're going to get 25 homers and 80 RBIs and he's going to score 80 runs and and stuff like that because He's a monster, and he scares the hell out of people. Yeah, and as, as a as a right handed line drive slash power hitter, to put him in a lineup with Schwarber and Bryant and Rizzo and Hayward is like, you know, somebody's gonna get you. 
you know. Oh, the, for sure. In the old days, you know, when guys pitched 300 innings and had 25 complete games and all that, you know, they would kind of like they'd have to pace themselves. And then, you know, every team had the, you know, Hall of Fame cleanup hitter and, okay, now you got to get nasty on this guy. And then, you know, there's no breaks in the Cubs lineup anymore. And I would hate to see them move Soler for, I don't know, like Tyson Ross. Because what I think Soler is worth is what is the player I envision him becoming. And, and I envision him being another Joe Carter, except a right fielder who Six can throw. 215, they say. I think he's bigger than 215. He's, he's so muscular. I, yeah. I can't imagine that he's only got 20 pounds on me when he's so much taller. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, no, I I think it would be a shame for them to move him. I'm uh, glad they're good at not moving people. Yeah, they they have not moved any of their like but big potential rookie. I guys. can't see them moving anybody right now. I mean, you know, obviously if, Coglin, I well, can see him moving Coglin. Yeah, I, right any now of their starters. I well, mean. yeah, and and I don't even know who's listed as the backup to right field. Probably Coglin. Coglin's not a right fielder. Coglin doesn't have the arm and to play Zobrist. right. I don't know how much how much Ben Zobris has played right field. I mean, Zobris can do it. He'll know where the cutoff man is. No, but and it, stuff goes like that. To, it goes I mean, back Hayward to Hayward would be the replacement. It goes back to what you said, right? If if Solaire goes down, I don't think they're putting Coglin in right and leaving Hayward in center. No, they're moving Hayward right right over there to right field and yeah. back to his normal position, and then. And then it depends on whether you put uh, Scherzer in center or uh, well. I think that Coglin. yeah, yeah. I think it would be Baez. I think or Baez, right? I think it would. But that if if Soler w- would go on the DL, and and one of the knocks on him is, and I I don't understand this, and maybe you can tell me. Do Latin ball players always stink in April because it's cold? There is this they, kind of thinking that Latin ball players all stink in, right. and we've had cold some. weather. Like Aramis Ramirez was notoriously bad mm-hmm. in April, and you know Soler and Castro both, you know, were were all they wear these like hats with face masks, and I'm you know, like, seriously, I, dude. Oh yeah, um, I I don't know. I mean, obviously they say that about Latin ball players, but there's a there's a long list of people that are bad in cold weather, and then. You know, I mean, the majority of hitters don't start hitting until the middle of May. Well, and then, you know, the other thing is... Nobody likes that feeling you're well, talking about. <laughs> but the pitchers are all fresh. Yeah. Everybody's rested. So, like, you know, we were talking about, you know, the White Sox, like, the first half of the season, nobody was hitting. Well, also, you're going up against the toughest pitching you're likely to see. I right. mean, look at the playoffs last year. Look at who Schwarber took deep. Look at look at how many home runs uh, Granke gave up and, and Kershaw gave up. And Arietta gave up some, and Lester gave up some, and uh, in the All American the League, <laughs> well, please don't get me started. But I mean, if if you look at how many how many homers the Cubs hit, well, they had six different guys hit a homer against the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pitchers are, you know, the top pitchers are not at their best in October. They're at their best in you know April, April and May, May and June and yeah. July, right? So. That's got to be part of it too. Yeah, especially in cold weather. Okay, you get you, you. The pitcher goes out on the mound and throws fifteen warm-up pitches. He's sweating and he's all loose, and you have to crawl out of the dugout and go, "Oh my God, it's cold!" And now and, he's throwing BBs. And yeah, he's throwing <laughs> ninety-five mile an hour cue balls at you, and you're supposed to hit them. 
and every foul ball makes you just want to cringe. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's, it's tough to play. And I, I'm so glad that the Cubs are opening up on the road this year. And they're going to open up uh, oh, the last couple like years, in Anaheim, I think. The last couple of years have been miserable in April. Yeah. You, 30 you to, sit, 35 degrees? You sit out there. Yeah, 35 degrees. Yeah, not counting, that, not counting the wind chill. At game time. But by yeah. the third inning, it's like 22. Oh, it was hilarious. Um, it was better... I, I, if you're in the upper deck on opening day and it's 30 degrees with a 20 knot wind, you know you better have snowshoes and a parka. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it, it's really tough to enjoy a game in those conditions when the team ain't scoring, right? Sure. So at least they're gonna we're gonna start. And it was two years in a row, I think, that we started at home. So this year we get to start on the road. Hopefully, I mean they're tough teams. We got to play Arizona and we got to play Anaheim, but. At least you know ought to be warm, you know. So uh, yeah, I don't know. The thing about think. you know the thing about Solaire is it, it, Solaire has to cut down his strikeout rate by not swinging at bad pitches, which he usually is pretty good at, and just keeping his focus at the plate because when he does that, he'll get a pitch to hit, and when he gets a pitch to hit, he usually hits it very very hard. Right, and I don't know if they're going to work with him in the spring. I don't know. How do you teach a guy who's got a, a level swing who's 6'4 to uppercut it like Bryant? You don't want to. You know, I think. No, I I, I would prefer Soler keeps his swing like Harold Baines. Just keep it as level as possible and just hit line drives all over the field. You know, and don't, hit, hit, don't 50, hit 50 doubles. You know, break some bricks. So, so I'm fine hit, with that. Hit more home runs on the road than you do at home. Big yeah. deal. Yeah, big deal, and and just the you know, ones that that are doubles at Wrigley Field, you know, thirty percent of them might be home runs on the road. Yeah, he may be one of those guys that that you know does better does better on the road home run wise. Right. I mean, I don't know if if Colorado had really good pitching, I can't imagine what he would do in Colorado, where the line drives. I mean, the ball would well, clear the fence by five feet, right, and then you know probably knock somebody out cold in the stands yeah, no, because that ball got, is moving. He's got, like I said, Harold Baines. Harold Baines hit one of the hardest home runs I've ever seen hit witnessed live in back in old Comiskey Park where they had that big green wall back in center field, which was like 440 yeah. back there. He hit a line drive. That ball was still rising when it hit the back of that, or the, that green wall, 440 out. And, it, you know, it, Literally looks like it never got more than you know thirty feet off the ground, and Solaire can do that yeah. consistently. Yeah, he uh, he's a strong dude. Yeah, and I don't want to see him play for anybody but us. No, you do you you, know? you do not. So if you look at the collection of outfielders, I can't imagine who they would they would what they would have to ask for though. I to I, to get rid of him. It, it it sounded to me like the the, the pitchers that they were kind of the the talk was all. Carlos Carrasco, Danny Salazar, Tyson Ross, guys like that who are, you know, in their 20s, who've got established, you know, major league results and years of club control. Mm-hmm. And not only did they want Solaire, but they wanted, like, I don't know, Gliber Torres, who's like a 19-year-old shortstop that's got all-star written all over him already. Or they wanted the, or they wanted Javi Baez, and it's like, seriously? For the two of them? Why aren't, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Plus, uh, that Volgo back kid. Yeah, right. 
Like, okay, have a nice day, you know. And and it that's the sense I get from, you know. And I do read everybody, and you know, I I try to stay informed with the Cubs and stuff like that. No, and I, I just don't if see. I get rid of Schwarber before I got rid of Soler. See, you're you know you're not really sold on Schwarber. I'm not yet. And it's only he, been half a season. That's true. I've seen plenty of guys hit 16 home runs in half a year, and everybody thought they were the next Babe Ruth, and then you never heard of them again. I'm well, not saying that's I how mean, many right, but how many of them set the the team's postseason home run record as well? Well, a lot of those guys didn't make the postseason. Yeah, so, well, I'm I'm just saying. I mean, you know, I, I understand your your initial he only sort of Debbie Downer. You're right. He only hit 246. So I'm just saying. I'm just not. I'm not sold on him as the next Babe Ruth. Uh, I does he have a lot of potential as as a hitter? Yes. Defensively, he's suspect. I'm just saying that I'm not totally sold on him. Like you know, everybody loves Kyle Schwarber. Well, because he hits majestic home runs, he crushes a ball. You know? He tattoos balls, and I'm talking about like to the opposite field. Watching him in batting practice, you know, Jill and I went to the wild card game in Pittsburgh. Got fantastic seats, spent a fortune. Watching him in BP, just launching balls into the river, launching balls into left center, into right center, into dead center. I'm just like, holy cow! I, and it, it's not like he's trying. To pound the ball. These are like smooth swings. Right. He, he's just got like tremendous bat speed and great hand-eye coordination, and he seems to have a pretty good head on his shoulders. He he wants to be a team leader. He wants to win. I mean, he's a, one of these character guys. Uh, I, I just, you know, you look at him and you're thinking, my God, what kind of DH would he make? He could be the next David Ortiz. Right. No, you know I, I mean, mean? I, I, I'm just saying that I'm not completely sold on the guy, but – I'm not saying right now that I wouldn't want him on my team. I'm just saying that if you were going to take, if, you know, you talk about getting rid of Solaire, I, I, that would not be the first outfielder that I would get rid of if you were going to deal somebody. Yeah, I, 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 would, I really I would like deal him. Schwarber before because well, also because of the fact that Schwarber's really, you know, Solaire, even with some defensive gaffes, is still probably a much better defensive outfielder than than Schwarber is, and Schwarber's, you know, basically a man without a position. They're putting him out in left field because they don't want to take the time to make him a major league catcher because he is, what, 24 years old. He played four years in college, all catching, and, you know, they're they're teaching him to play outfield because they need his bat in the lineup. Solaire's an outfielder. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's what he does, and that's what he's always done, and he's got a really good arm, and, and, and you don't have to teach him how to play. He, might, he just has to tweak some things. But he's a you know he's a good outfielder and he could be a great outfielder. I don't think Schwarber's ever going to be a great outfielder, and I would think Soler is going to be a better hitter. Maybe not hit as many home runs as Schwarber, but he's going to be a better offensive production piece than than Schwarber would be. I don't know. It's it's hard to be a top hitter and be right-handed. You know, it seems to me like the lefties have an advantage. Yeah, unless you're Miguel Cabrera. Or Mike well, Trout. And again, well, again, you're, you're talking about, like, yeah, the two Hall of Famers who happen to be around these days, right? right? I, I don't know if I well, would throw McCutcheon in there. Well, Pujols is a right-handed hitter. He's, he's, he's tapered off, but he was a monster. Yeah. Uh, uh, who's the guy the White Sox? Uh, Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. I mean, you're talking about Hall of Fame guys. Right. Right. You know, we'll see. Uh, you're talking about, I don't know how much time we have left, but you, you're talking about, about none, but 
worst-case scenarios for the Cubs. And, and what, what Theo said he would do, part of the front office's job, after winning 97 games and four in the postseason, so they won 101 games last year, was not only to add to the problems, the biggest problems the club had, which was starting pitching depth, situational hitting, and making contact overall, but they were supposed to guard against disasters happening. Mm-hmm. So you obviously, you know, you can't guard against everything, but we have the flexibility now where if something happens to Solaire, we have the best right fielder in baseball, and we have a kid with enormous hitting potential, Javi Baez, in center field. And, you know, I anticipate I'm with I'm surprised some work, they don't have Zobris listed under first base. Well, I have a feeling happened to Rizzo. Well, and that's the thing. Well, next the next podcast we're going to talk uh, infield and lineup. I mean, I anticipate that Zobris is going to play some first base because I don't think anybody wants to see Rizzo play 160 out of 162 no. games. And then the one game that they finally sat him, he had to grab a bat, <laughs> and he looked annoyed, like you made me take off my slippers. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and he, I don't think he played. I don't think he ever batted. But I was just like, you know, you got. It's September call-up. You got so many guys in the dugout that there's nowhere to sit, and you're going to make Rizzo hit. He's. I thought he got tired down the stretch. And so. not only that, I mean they were they were in pretty much. I know they were trying to make a run at the Cardinals, but they were pretty much in a position where they were already guaranteed a playoff spot and catching the Cardinals or well Pittsburgh for that matter. Of it getting was Pittsburgh. The home field advantage getting home field. for the the yeah. one game was relatively out of reach. So at that point, I'm, I agree with you. It's just like, you know, you gave the guy a day off. It wasn't like you were fighting for your playoff lives. You were going to make the playoffs yeah, anyway. Let, let him actually have the day yeah. off. Yeah. So, but, you know, our outfield depth, our positional depth is much improved now. We we added two high-contact guys in, in Hayward and Zobris. And then we'll talk about the pitching in another podcast. But, you know, they made strides there, too. So um, I'm excited. I think we have a really good outfield. I don't think it's the top outfield in baseball. I think that maybe the Royals have that or maybe the Pirates have that. But I think we've closed the gap. I think adding Hayward, we've closed the gap. Right. And if if a guy's going to be gone for three weeks, I think with, with Chris Coughlin and Ben Zobrist and Javi Baez, that's six quality guys that you could put out in the outfield. So I think outfield-wise, the Cubs are covered. What do you think about uh, your boys? Uh, you know, I mean, I think they're good. You know, I I would basically probably say they're a middle-of-the-pack outfield with, you know, in, in typical White Sox, it's all about potential. You know, they have to – if they're going to win 90 games like the USA Today predicts, they, you know, guys are going to have to play above what they've done the last few years, especially, obviously, El Garcia. I mean, if that guy's going to be a – 250 hitter and you know plus he he gets hurt a lot um you know then they're a middle of the pack outfield I I I like Eaton and Cabrera compared to a lot of other outfields out there um but they're you know they've got a really weak link in right field and there's a lot of good right fielders out there and uh you know and and if if Garcia is gonna keep swinging at every pitch that he ever sees they're just going to be, you know, they're going to need to get a, a, a definite lot of more production out of their infield guys if, uh, you know, because Garcia doesn't prove that he can, 
carry the load. Yeah, I don't. If for I, I, I looked at his numbers and I because we talked and and I knew that that you thought you know he he had a lot of room for improvement. But when I, when I looked at his numbers, some of them were atrocious. Right. But if and he, I was if like, he, you can't you can't be in the majors. If he pulls that. really hard and plucks his head out of his behind, um, and all of a sudden hits two seventy five, you know, and and actually more importantly drives in runs, and is not swinging at all these pitches with runners in scoring position, you know, then their uh, their ceiling gets that much higher because he has the talent. Are these guys all right-handed? Uh, right-handed hitters? Eaton's lefty. Eaton's a lefty? Cabrera's a switch hitter. Okay, so that's a pretty that's pretty good. you got a lefty and a switch hitter at right. the top of your order. The Cubs have Hayward and Zobris. That's a lefty and a switch hitter at the top of their right. order. Is Garcia right-handed? Yes. And what about J.B. Shuck? He's... Left-handed. I don't think he's a switcher. I think he's well, just left-handed. I think if if you see Garcia struggle, I think you're going to see a lot of JB Shock. I think you would too. But that, you know, that's the the problem with that being is is at what point struggling when like one month or three months, three months and you're out of it already, or you know a bad April. Do you give him May? You know, it kind of depends you, on. Or do you you know maybe maybe they will if he does get off to a slow start. Maybe there'll be more of a platoon every other day type deal, lefty-righty, lefty-righty pitching matchup that you'll see more J.B. Shuck in right field if, if Garcia's, you know, hitting 210 in the month of April. Um, you know, uh, I, I like their outfield. I don't love their outfield. Um, there's plenty of, you know, outfields out there that are better. But um, you don't have to be great at every position. You have to be good at every position. And, you know, I think they're good. Yeah, I don't know about right field with you guys. And I was looking, I wanted to see, like, are there any free agent? I, I mean, th- there was talk that they were, you guys were going to, like, maybe pick up Fowler. Maybe. I, I mean, you're asking about but how Fowler's long. Fowler's not a right fielder. No, but he could probably play there. I maybe. Mean, I, I don't know that, that he's better than Garcia. I mean, he's a different kind of player. Um, you got to look at the team. I mean, Realistically, do the White Sox feel like they're going to be contenders? They act like it. I mean, they, they went out and got Frazier, and they, they traded prospects to do it. They went out and got Brett Laurie. I'm not sold on that guy, but he's an upgrade because he had nobody. Right. Right. Um, they address catching in a very unusual way, um, where basically they're saying that uh, – they don't know who's going to start between Avila and Navarro. They'll see who plays better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, seriously? You don't know which one is better already? Well, they're about the same. Well. I think Avila's better. Well, Navarro, I think, is better at throwing runners out than Avila. But Avila's I a better hitter. I don't know who who's the best catcher but, between them. But you, you, had a, you had a very good defensive catcher who was handling the staff pretty well. And... Well, you you DFA'd him, and it took like a second for a team to pick him up. So I, if he had that yeah, much value, took, I don't know why you wouldn't have at least traded him for you know a bag of balls and maybe a project in right field, something. You know, I found that kind of kind of odd. But the uh, we could talk. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about catching when we get to the infielders. I mean, I, I just. If if the if the Sox are winning, then they can stay with Garcia. If they start to struggle, or if they're like below five hundred after you know fifteen or twenty games, right? You know, um, I'm pretty sure that 
uh, Robin Ventura is going to want to sit him because Ventura knows that if this team doesn't win, he's out of a job. Sure. He's, he's, he's already said that. He's, he's on the record saying that. And if you're 10 games under 500 in May, I, I, unless Garcia is the only guy hitting, I, I, I can't imagine him sticking around. Right. If anything happens to Cabrera or anything happens to Adam Eaton, I mean, I think you guys are kind of thin. You know, especially compared to the Cubs. I mean, we've got guys that can fill in for a while. Um, you're talking about your number one and number two hitters and your best on base guys. Right. So, and Eaton, I don't know. The White Sox were one of the few teams last year where they had a bunch of guys play like over 150 games. You know, they trotted out the same guys, you know, every single day. Uh, Abreu was one, and right, I think Cabrera you, was which one. Which is good, but then it gives you cause for concern because it doesn't happen every year. You know, I mean, yeah. So you need a break. So you know, you're these are very important guys well, in your yeah, lineup, right? So we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see how it works. Okay, our next podcast we will do. Uh, we'll do the infield and the catchers. Then we'll do one on the pitching, and by then. Spring training will be in full swing, and we'll have probably a much better idea. I don't. You think anybody you're going to make any moves like in the next week or so? Anything on the horizon? No, unless they unless they sign the shortstop, um, Ian Desmond. Desmond. Yeah, we we'll I, talk about the infield next week. Really I'm not. Surprised. I I don't think they'll do it. I would be really surprised if they signed Dexter Fowler. I just I I I don't necessarily want them to. I. Is you know as much as I'm not a fan of Garcia and his he's not meeting his potential, I don't know if putting if you if you sign Fowler, you don't can't move Eaton to right field. He's not a, a right fielder, and I don't know if Dexter Fowler's a right fielder either. I don't think he's ever played there. So I think he's been a center fielder his whole you life. Know, yeah, um, but he's. And I guess I'd still, have to look. I don't know how much money they're paying Garcia. You know to to put him on the bench in a, a platoon player role all of a sudden and pay Fowler that much money that you're going to that he's asking for. I don't know that there are any any other outfielders out there that can help you. Right. That's I why mean, they're basically like, stuck. So we had like, Austin Jackson in right. He didn't impress me out there Shuck last bust. fall, but <laughs> if, I, if Garcia doesn't perform. Shuck had really good contact numbers. His small yeah. sample size. I mean, until you see a guy who's got at least, I don't know, 500 at bats. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking more of like 750 or 1,000 yeah. at-bats that you really get a, a handle on what they're doing because after 1,000 at-bats, you've been through you've been through a number of adjustments. You know, you come up and they, first they see, you know, can you hit the inside fastball? Can you hit the high fastball? Can you hit the outside fastball? And it's like, okay, can you hit the curveball? Okay, well, okay. Can you lay off garbage? You know, right, and yeah. and that seems to be where Garcia is stuck, is laying off the guard. Oh yeah, I think Solera can lay off it. It's just like they seem to want to call it a strike anyway. So, I he was getting really jobbed and really upset early last year, and then he got hurt. So I mean, we we'll have to see. You know, he he's got issues. There's a couple of Cubs that that have injury issues. And Soler, it was a hamstring thing, and they worked on his posture and all this to kind of get him straightened out. Then he strains an oblique. So he might be one of these guys that is prone to, you know, muscle pulls and stuff like that. They'll have to watch it. But right. at, at least they have some depth where if, if, you're, if somebody's going to, you know, go on the 15-day, it's not that big a deal. 
even if it's Jay Hay. You know, so it'll be interesting to see how we do that. Um, anything else to say about the outfield? I don't believe so. I think I'm done. Okay, from the back row boys, Hutch and Steve, we will be back with another podcast on the infield in about a week. Everybody, uh, thanks for listening, and take care.